Tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome. This is the New Zealand Wine Podcast. I'm Boris Lamont. Thanks for joining us. This episode is part two of our conversation with Hans and Therese Herzog. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, you might want to go back and check it out. If you need to know anything further about today's podcast or any of our other episodes, just look us up online, the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Right now, let's pick up our conversation with Hans and Therese, where Therese is explaining how they had to make a decision in where they were going to commit uh, the next stage of their lives to, whether it was going to be in Switzerland or in Marlborough, New Zealand. And I did understand, uh, I did understand what, what Hans meant, how important uh, this wine and, and Marlborough and the vineyard has become for him. And I was thinking, you know, it is really great when you can prove something in your life and you really have a passion for something and you know you, you can make it, you, you actually be there and you can do what you always dream, dreamed and you had everything around you to make the dream coming true. And I felt awful if I would have been the one to destroy that dream. And so reluctantly... I said, all right. So in 2000, we actually sold everything in Switzerland. Right, okay. Yeah. And that's when we, we came to Marlborough with a one-way ticket. And I felt I need a bit of a challenge to, you know, to adjust better with the new country. And so that was when the idea came with the restaurant because in 2000, uh, the culinary scenery in New Zealand was not what it is today, especially not in the South Island. Mm. And I said to Hans, every wine region we have visited in the world, and we have many, <laughs> that's where we do our holidays. If there is a wine region, they have great restaurants, but at that time, Marlborough didn't have any. And I said, okay, that's kind of my gift to Marlborough. I want to do a great restaurant so that people can enjoy great food and great wine together. And that's why I came to that restaurant. Right, okay. And, and certainly um, you've got the produce as well, haven't you, around that region for uh, yes, doing we, great cuisine? Yes, the top of the South Island uh, has quite a lot of produce, seafood, crayfish, mm. uh, absolutely. Mm. There's no, no doubt about that. Yeah. And a great selection of wine. And a great selection <laughs> of wine. Yeah. Homegrown. And yeah. not, not only your, your own wine, but one yeah, of the yeah. great aspects of your restaurant, of course, is, is the wine list, yeah. uh, which is, uh, you know, it's a very uh, lust-filled list. <laughs> yeah. Some beautiful bottles there that one can choose from yeah. in, in, in addition to your wonderful wines as well. I, I have to say, I love, I love your restaurant. I love the room. The atmosphere of it's great. The window looking over the vines, um, watching the sunset um, over the vines is... Uh, yeah, it's one of the more magical rooms in New Zealand in terms of eating and drinking. So it's impressive. It Thank is you. the passion for food and wine as they two belong together. Mm. And I think we make wonderful wines. And it's probably true because 99% of all customers, they do not uh, order from our amazing wine list who has these uh, wine spectator awards mm. and all that stuff. Uh, but Hans's wines. But when you love wines, you know, you don't ever want to limit yourself. Yeah. You want to embrace whatever is great wines around the world and good wines. And 
Hans and I, we never wanted to limit our guests to that they kind of had to drink our wines. Mm. If they choose to drink our wines, that's lovely, but we have these 500 wines on our wine list, all wines which we have chosen personally, and we want to give them the chance to discover just fantastic wines around the world. And something very important, I think, to every winemaker, and especially wine growers and owners like we, um, how can you know you make great wine? Unless you drink great wines on a regular basis, And that shows you where you stand with your own wine. Right. And that's what we do all our life. Mm. And we still exercise. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. And um, so just on that, when you're, when you're making the wine, um, do you, are you thinking about uh, food and, and what it might go with? Does that come in as part of the, uh, part of the process for mm. you or...? Is it? It's just well, yeah. about the wine and, yeah. and how it is and yeah. how it sits yeah. as, as a standalone, yeah. right? Yeah. Always know this wine is fit the food somewhere, you know. Yeah, <laughs> different flavors of the wine and yeah, yeah. We yeah. do all this blending now. We do you know, a Mistral is a blend of Viognier, Marsan, Roussan, mm-hmm. with a typical Rhone Valley blend. And this wine is just beautiful with some seafood and all others white meat and that's amazing wine now. Right. That we new, uh, new actually release. Yeah. Since one year. Yeah. So yeah. is that quite exciting for you when you've actually produced the wine? Then the next step is going. Well, what's this going to go really well with? What can we do with this? You know, the thing is, actually, all all naturally made wine, who are not altered and high-quality wines, they're actually quite easy to match with food. It's only when you have high acidic wines or wines with residual sugar uh, that it, it, it becomes more harder. Right. And there is, a, there is quite a difference between the, should I say, the, uh, the European or the, hmm, the taste of an experienced wine drinker and a young wine drinker. And it's become the young generation, they grew up with sweet beverages. Mm. I don't want to name a few, but we all know they have quite a lot of sugar. So when they come to wine, they really like to have wines which are fruity and not in the sense sweet, but in winemaking technique, we mean they are high on acidity acidity and also high on sugar levels. Mm -hmm. But for the not so experienced wine drinker, this is like dry, but it's actually not. But these wines are very fruity and much more approachable for that generation of wine drinker. Where else people like Hans and myself who are not anymore spring chickens and have had quite a lot of wine through our life, uh, we have a very dry palate. Wines we drink, they have to be bone dry. They have to be totally fermented. There should not be any residual sugar, which is much harder to make. Uh, there's no cheating. There's no covering up with, with uh, sweetness. Mm. But these wines are really easy to match with food. And that's maybe one of the success stories of our wine because we both bad in selling wine because we just have no time. We so emerged in our vineyard Hans is daily in the vineyard working the wines being on the tractor and and I work you know I manage all the bistro the cellar door the restaurant uh, the, the the vineyard the people the export uh, it's just so much to do that 
we are quite lucky that sommeliers have discovered our wines or food and wine lovers. And they bring that story around the world without us having anything to do because the wine speaks for itself. Mm. And that's why sommeliers especially who are experienced wine drinkers love these dry food wines and bring it, you know, to Shanghai, to Tokyo, to Hong Kong, to London uh, in their restaurants. And so you find us unknown winery sometimes on really great wine lists. Uh, but it is because they are true, fantastic, natural wines and they match food easily. That must be um, incredibly exciting and satisfying, is it, to have your wine sitting on some uh, great wine list at a, at a fabulous restaurant somewhere or, you know, different places around the globe? It is. I mean, Hans is a very, very humble man and, and, and he feels very uncomfortable to, sit, to talk about these things. But to be honest, I sometimes can hardly believe in myself, but when we go into a city and we meet these sommeliers and they, they thank Hans for what he's doing mm. and they say, do you, do you actually know, oh, we were at a famous wine merchant in London they have most masters of wines in the world. And then one of them said to Hans, it was very quiet, you know, they tasted the wines. We were in awe of that really old tradition, you know, the suppliers to the queen and so on. And then one of these men said to Hans, you're very quiet, Hans, and we do not have to speak because you are right, the wine speaks for itself. But... I hope people know what you do because it is amazing. Mm. It is really special. And I think it is these moments, uh, of course, where, where what is motivating us. Because, unfortunately, it's not the way to make money. We have all these groups, uh, marketing groups, students coming to us. And the first thing I tell them is, if you want to make money, do not listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> because that's not the way. That's passion and the love for wine but it's the smallest profits mm. it's a juggle that you survive but for Hans and not survive that would be wrong but for Hans and me it was never a question New Zealand the New Zealand venture was not a question about money it was the quest about making a great wine and the passion about wine mm. Mm. and it's that sometimes in the second half of your life you realize that the last shirt has no pocket and so we decided we don't need money in the bank, but we need something which fulfills our life. And right. this has definitely done it. Wow, that's fantastic. So the, the, the art of winemaking. Yes. And so during that journey, have there been any um, really great surprises with, with what you've done? Maybe something that uh, you planted and you thought, oh, we'll try this out. And you were really sort of amazed by the, 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 out, the outcome. Anything that particularly... Maybe so, like, like we had with the Viognier and then this great yeah. French uh, answer to it. Exactly, Viognier and also Mistral blend. Okay. And yeah. even Tempranillo and just new Verdello. Mm -hmm. I lost him this time in earthquake. Don't talk about that. <laughs> yes, oh. I, was, I, was, I was going to... Uh, yeah, so were, were you affected badly by the quake? No, it is... It, they're small amounts. Okay. Not it's as bad as some of your colleagues. No, no. But, but you know, but in, in, in percentage, it's of course bad me, because yeah. we only have... Uh, it was my first vintage. Oh. 16. Yeah. Oh, no. 16. And was actually my 
great, great grapes from this Verdello. It was picked with 27 bricks and just amazing wine. Oh. I put it in a 300 liter little tank, stack cup tanks, and then it fell down, you know, and was oh. empty. I'm sorry. Uh, but that's sometimes just hard work the whole year round, oh, and yeah, then absolutely. ended up like this, but it wasn't no, so nice. But yeah, no, that's quite hard. Carry on for the next vintage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, you you knew that it was that it was great. Yeah. It was yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. We tasted yeah. it, and we it was amazing. About bottling soon, and like, oh, maybe wait another few weeks, uh, and what just now happens. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's uh, it, yeah, and also, our nice was the same. Happens with our nice. Mm-hmm. And also an, a, a little tank of Riesling, where three tanks fall down and there was... Right. Uh, mm, but it's mm. more that, you know, because they are handcrafted wines and you spend so much time in the vineyard and you, at the end it goes into the barrel and you just, before bottling, it's it's more like you... It. I think they're like little kids for us, these. Mm, mm. And it's... So it is a personal thing. It's not about the money. Uh, mm. Look, we're happy that nothing more happened and we all mm. are healthy and nothing more happened in general. It's it's just losing something which is valuable to mm, you yeah. mm. and and maybe thinking, oh, you know, we're missing out on, on some great wines. Yeah. But, yeah, s- some really stunning things which happened um, during the time we were in New Zealand probably was like a grape variety like Viognier. We had this very famous French wine critic coming and uh, he couldn't believe that we could grow a Viognier like that with such a beautiful backbone, mm. uh, naturally. Because most vi- most Viognier's in the world are acidified. It's a grape variety which loses acidity already yeah. in the vineyard. And um, obviously we would never do such. We're not adding anything to our hearts so uh, he uh, suddenly we got an invitation to come to Paris but we just came back from Europe and we couldn't afford just going back again but we were wondering what it is and it was an invitation for the release of a, a new book called The Greatest Minds of the World and he has chosen our Viognier to get into this book wow. and that was really you know we said would we have what if we had stayed in Switzerland? That would have never happened because we co- wouldn't have had the chance to make such mm. wines because of the climate. Mm. But see, uh, this is really amazing. And then the, there are people in the world, and look, we do not enter any competition. We do not pay for our wines to go in a competition and that we have a sticker on the label because the people who buy our wine buy them because they love quality wine. Mm. And uh, so we do not have that exposure uh, like other wineries we speak marketing budget. And we do don't do really commercial wines anyway. We're too small that we really can afford a kind of a sensible marketing. Um, But if somebody by poor chance discovers our wines and then is so blown away by it, and then he's French, and as we know, we all have still this thinking that the best wines come from Europe and especially from France. Not Hans and my Hans and me don't think like that. <laughs> <laughs> not, si- not since we have discovered Marlborough, we know this is, this is not true anymore, that, that actually New Zealand, and of course we think Marlborough is its dry climate, could do wines like in France, mm. but even much better if the industry decides to to uh, concentrate on quality rather than quantity. 
Mm. So, I mean, that, that's fantastic recognition for you. And, and do you see that happening? Do you see other vineyards um, recognising what you're able to do and then I- expanding their own range? Not, not not so sure to be honest because the how how should I say that Marlborough is 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 such an amazing climate that many big international corporate have seen that as well, and they know they can make a hell of a lot of money is concentrating on one grape variety who is easy to grow, which doesn't need much labor which is still fantastic when you have huge yield and you get an amazing return on investment. And unfortunately, as we all know, the world is made out of a few passionate people (laughs) who don't mind money, Mm. but it's not uh, the average. And you can't blame them. It is an amazing business. Mm. The yield levels you can grow and still sell the wine to a very attractive price is probably too tempting for any businessman not to take the chance. Mm. So when we say that we don't, we don't mean it, you know, judging in a bad way. I do understand all the big corporates in Marlboro that yep. they do the way they do wines. But I hope there will be always people like Hans and me, and there is a group of people who do care more about the quality of wine and do it on a small scale and do it really well. And I think Marlborough will always have both. And I hope it will always have both. But, uh, yeah, you can make, you could make even, you know, amazing wines out out of New Zealand. We do not have to stand behind France, not in any way. Right. And... and Anything that uh, you, you've just started on or you're looking to do or um, mm-hmm. anything you can talk about that's that's coming up next for mm-hmm. you that you're looking oh, you to? Should. <laughs> yeah. well, oh, come on. We <laughs> were just in Sydney bringing it there. Every time when the nurseries have bring a new uh, grape variety in New Zealand, I think they're calling, uh, they're calling us. And uh, the last time they called, I said, I think it's enough. I really think on 11.5 hectares, we meanwhile have 28 grape varieties. Uh, uh, that, that's it. But, <laughs> but it was uh, a very old grape variety from Georgia. And when Hans heard about it, he said, oh, that is really interesting. Because that is probably the oldest grape variety I know. And so we bought some wines, and they are not really great wines. Um, no, you tell about the grape variety. Yeah, that's uh, called Zapparavi. It's one of the oldest grape varieties maybe in the world, I don't know, must be. And uh, it's actually very late ripening, and a red wine, and very dark colored. Um, had my first vintage in, 19, in 2014, put in a half barrel, and aging for 18 months, so now it's bottled and actually sold the most of them. But it's a beautiful wine, and a wine for me for age for the next 20, 30 years. Oh, it's, wow. it's amazing, great variety. Yeah. In yeah. Georgia, did you say? From Georgia, Georgia. and Black Sea, yeah, that's actually right. the original area. Right. The wine comes from really cheap. Yeah. Actually, I have a question. 29 grape varietals. Have you ever decided to um, regraft? Like, you've decided out of these 29 one wasn't great so you have changed it to something else or have you kept everything do you continue making no 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 when i i mean the, these 29 only ex, um 
came upon about grafting. And just the last few days, we actually, we degraft ourselves, mm -hmm. but we do have a higher, how you say, failing rate. Or, mm -hmm. And so we, we hired a French company, there we go, France again, and a guy who is specialized in top grafting wines. And he goes to Romane Conti every year, and we found it really just good enough for us. So, yep. <laughs> so he comes to our vineyard. <laughs> and he, he grafts now, you know, new grape varieties we are interested in. Or, for example, our Nebbiolo. We, we do our own vineyard selection. So we, from the best plant, we take grafting material and then graft it to... Um, other roots. grape varieties, yep. uh, but with the roots of, of 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so we do this now. It's all about fine-tuning the grape varieties we really love and which do really well and the wines we love. And so we also, you know, we have said goodbye to some grape varieties. They still make good wines, but we were thinking the other yeah. grape varieties even better. Yeah. So it is all about grafting. Okay. That's interesting. But is, uh, this is, I hope it is the last... Uh, uh, <laughs> exercise <laughs> that, that was so interesting because uh, only uh, a couple of weeks ago we were in Sydney to Rootstock and Natural Wine Fair and uh, whilst we not tending to do orange wine we could talk about natural wine probably for a, for a long time uh, but yes we do our wines are organic there's nothing added we work the vineyard totally natural and the same in the winemaking process. So, but the wines are still fine, elegant wines. Uh, maybe different to what you would normally think about the natural wine. But anyway, they had all the, uh, or a few wineries from Georgia with Sapparavi there. Yeah. And yeah. of course, these grape varieties are very old and traditionally it has been uh, matured in quefris or amphoras mm -hmm. and the wineries which were there they had all their saparavis in amphoras and this was for us of course an, a fantastic opportunity to put our saparavi against the original mm. so our saparavi has been in a French barrel right. so we felt like the establishment <laughs> you know there is kind of this rustic um, wine growers and then this Hans and myself you know have this Aparavi this amazing uh, re uh, red grape variety where actually the flesh is red as well oh, normally nice. you know it's yeah and um, in this expensive French barrel and an amazing wine uh, very concentrated as all of Hans's reds probably more like 500 600 grams per plant extremely low and so we, we went to them, you know, we tasted their wine, they came to us. And, and we were quite proud. I sent everybody who came and tried our Saparavi to Georgia and say, now you decide, you know, uh, this is Marlborough, New Zealand, and this is Georgia. I guess that our Saparavi had this intensity and how you say nearly brooding uh, weight and, and, and power because of its low yield and the cleanness uh, because it hasn't been uh, oxidized it, you know it, so you really have the, the fruit from the grape variety that typi typicity the typical character 
amazing, powerful, fantastic wine. And you go to Georgia, and I'm quite sure they have much higher yields as well. Uh, but it's a little bit tainted because the amphoras are more exposed uh, to uh, oxidation. Mm -hmm. So you do not have these pure fruit flavors anymore. But don't misunderstand me. I don't want to say it's touching. But I think um, that our Saparavi was much more expressive of the grape variety. Mm. Right. Of the, of, the, of the fruit itself. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Mm. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and these are these amazing moments. Yeah, yeah. You know, when yeah. you, because you think, oh, my God, you know, I hope it's, no, we knew it would stand up. We were yeah. not afraid. But it's still, you feel quite yeah, proud. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Or we were in the, in the Wachau with one of the famous wineries there, which, which we have their wine on our wine list, of course, Hirzberger, makes fantastic, Hirzberger, fabulous, fabulous, Grüner, Feldliner and Riesling. And uh, so this year, we had an invitation for a winemaker dinner with our wines in his restaurant, and we found that really odd and a bit, you know, we, we nearly felt ashamed. We can't really do that. So we had this wine tasting, and then Hirzberger would stand up and say, what Hans does is actually fantastic because he takes these grape varieties but he makes something really great out of it where they can be proud. It's not that he takes it and makes something commercial out and dilutes the grape mm. variety and would ruin the reputation. No, he goes and he makes something really amazing. Right. And these are probably the moments you ask me, moments you cherish. Yes, and yes. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. So he was, you're staying true almost to the... To the to the varietal. Yeah, the, whatever yeah. whatever we grow, we we grow because we have been in that region. We love the wines. We have tasted the wines, except Sapravi, <laughs> and <laughs> we haven't yet been in Georgia. We have to be honest. But all the other wines, we know very famous producers from this area, and we know that they know we grow these grape varieties, and it is always you know we try to make them prou proud. So what we produce here in New Zealand is something which does honour to and is just to that grape variety. And it's same with the Zweigelt in Burgenland. You know, we bring the wine back to these wine growers and, and it's, it's beautiful for us to see that they love the wines and think this is amazing, you know, I can't believe you can do that mm. in New Zealand. No, that's fantastic. Well, I think that's um, that's probably a great note to finish on. So thank you both again for your time. I do appreciate it, uh, Hans and Therese. Thank uh, you, Mark, on. for being with us today. Thanks. And um, we'll be back again soon. We've just been chatting with Hans and Therese Herzog from Hans Herzog Estate in Marlborough, New Zealand. If you're needing to know anything further, just look us up online. And while you're there, check out podcast.nz for some other great shows. Thanks again for listening. Hey, Kona Mai. Bye for now.